Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We are back in the book of Acts. And I hope folks are watching at home. Because they're going to miss a bunch of stuff today. Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 3. Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 3. And if you have another marker, we're going to be at Luke 24. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we study your word today. And Father, I pray that... uh, that we'll learn some things, that some, some pieces will come together for us to understand what your plan through the ages has been and how you've revealed yourself. Father, help us as we study your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. I did want to give you a little update on, on my trip. I flew out a week ago Sunday to uh, Seattle and was in Tacoma, Washington at the Preacher's Delight Conference. And then I spoke at Faith Baptist Church in Tacoma last Sunday three times. And uh, for the rest of the time, I was just reading and planning for the year and trying to get some concentrated study. I was able to read, I think, six books over that time, so able to really pound through some things and all different topics, and it was was a very helpful time. So thank you for praying, and uh, we have some exciting things coming up at Grace Baptist, but there's nothing more exciting than God's Word. So let's let's dive into it now, and I think you're going to learn some things today. So look with me at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus Christ with his disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. So this promise of the Father, he said, I want you to wait for it. Just don't, don't do anything, just wait. Now, hold your place here and go to Luke 24. This is the other statement, verse 49. So, you know, Luke 24 is a really important passage in your Bible. that has the Emmaus Road, Jesus Christ appearing to his disciples and giving them instruction. And look at verse 49. And behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, until ye be endued with power from on high. So what we have is there are, I think, five components to this promise of the Father. There's a new baptism. There's an endowment of power. There's a filling of the Spirit. There's the beginning of a body and the beginning of a dispensation. All of this is in this passage, and we won't get to all of that today, but that's what he is promising. That's what the promise of the Father includes. So I want us to look, first of all, let's let's just by way of introduction, let's talk about this promise of the Father. Uh, It says in, in Luke 24, that this promise is going to come upon them. The promise of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. And the idea is that they are covered with this. And then the analogy that he makes, go back to the book of Acts with me, in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So there's a comparison between John's baptism and this baptism of the Holy Ghost 
that is the promise of the Father. That is what's coming. And so it's compared to a baptism. And notice what Jesus had said in verse 5 again, for John truly baptized with water. But he also knew what John had been preaching. John had been preaching the baptism of repentance. And we're going to look at that here this morning. So I want us to see, first of all, a new baptism. A new baptism. So hold your place here in Acts and go to Matthew chapter 3. All right. Now, look with me. I'm in John. No wonder I couldn't find what I was trying to read. All right. Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 1. In those days... Huh. Did you notice anything there? In those days... Now, if you're here and you don't have any idea what we're talking about, any time you see in those days, there'll be some kind of a connection to the tribulation period. And I'll identify what that is here in a moment. But in those days, John the Baptist... In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we have already, in our study of Acts, uh, just prior to this, the disciples, or just after, the disciples say to Jesus, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And so we've taken some time to explain the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom that Jesus will rule on earth, When he returns, he'll sit on the throne of David and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. That's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You can't see it. He said, it's not meat or drink, but righteousness and holiness and peace, or righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in you. Paul said the last one. Jesus said this one. So the kingdom of heaven that Peter or that Paul is, <laughs> the kingdom, Peter, Paul, or John, it has to be one of them, right? The kingdom of heaven that John the Baptist is preaching about, it's at hand. What does that mean? I, I can touch it. It's at hand. I need to, you, you need, I need to keep this at hand. I need to, I need to keep my knife at hand because I'm doing some work. The, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. It was close enough to touch. Why? Because the Messiah was there. All right. So. Verse 2, repent ye for the, and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 3, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, that would be Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John is called the forerunner of Christ. But the Bible says Elijah is the one who is going to be the forerunner of Christ. Here, it's saying that it's John. I thought it was going to be Elijah. This must be a contradiction in the Bible. How many of you think it's a contradiction? That's what's fun. When you find these things that appear to be a contradiction, God is always going to teach you something. He's going to show you something. Now, how many of you believe that God has a plan? He knows exactly what's going on. He knows what he's going to do. He knows when he's going to do it. And his plan is never frustrated. God's plan is never frustrated. Laura and I were just talking this morning. I I asked her this question. 
you know, at the cross, we were listening to a song about the crucifixion. And I wonder if Satan thought he had won at that moment. I mean, Satan knows the Bible better than we do. But I wonder if he thought at that moment that he had won. Isn't that an interesting question? So if you want to know what Satan's thinking, just go and ask Laura. She can let you know here in a little while. Um, It's a terrible joke, isn't it? So we have a new baptism. John was, was in the wilderness, and he was baptizing with the baptism of repentance. We'll see that in a minute. So look at what it says in verse 4. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. So when we think he, that he had this, this it's, it wasn't a Brooks Brothers camel hair sport coat. He had skinned a camel, and again, can you imagine how uncomfortable camel hair was? That's what he was doing. Never just read past stuff like that. His food was locusts and wild honey, locusts and wild honey. So these two items, locusts and honey, they pictured John's ministry and Israel's prospects. So John came preaching that the Messiah is here. Locusts in the Bible always represent judgment. Remember the, the locusts that came, and if you read the book of Joel, they, they eat everything. You read the book of Micah, these locusts, they kill everything before Jesus Christ returns. So locusts is always a sign of judgment, but what was the, what was the land called? It was a land that flows with milk and... So you have the promise of sustenance, and not only sustenance, but honey, sweet and wonderful honey, or you can get locusts. Which would you rather have? And that's what John was offering them, judgment or the land. Stay in the land with honey or judgment and the land being destroyed. That's what John was offering them. And he really was the forerunner of Christ. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Now, remember why we're doing this. So, just when you get to Matthew 11, hold that and go back to Acts chapter 1. I don't want you to miss this. It's very important. In verse 3, these disciples, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, that's what he did with them for 40 days. Now, 10 days before Pentecost, he's meeting with them once more. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. All right? So what we see is that John did this, but I'm going to do this. So to understand the difference, we have to understand what John was doing. If you can, hold these two places. Go to Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Okay, so that's Acts 19 and verse 1. But these were not disciples of Christ. They were disciples of John. 
So look at what it says in verse 2. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, let me just say this. The, the, the title of the book is The Acts of the Apostles. But it could just as easily have been entitled The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because there's more about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts than probably any other book other than the book of Romans. All right? So I think in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 15 times. So really an important understanding of the Holy Spirit. So he said unto them, verse 2, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So apparently John the Baptist wasn't preaching a whole lot about the Holy Ghost. Is that fair? So why would that make a difference? Look at what he says in verse 3. So Paul is speaking, And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So the Bible now is going to give us a distinction between John's baptism and the baptism that the Apostle Paul was doing. All right, so look at what it says. Verse 4, Then said Paul, John verily, truly verily, baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Christ is the Messiah. Christ, that word means Messiah, the anointed one. All right, so Messiah's coming, believe on him. That's the message of John, and people would be baptized after they repented. What did they repent of? They were not looking for the Messiah. All right, we're going to see that in a minute. Verse 4 again, Then said Paul, John, verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now we preach the death, burial, and resurrection. They were preaching the Messiah is here. John was preaching the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Repent, repent. The Messiah is coming. For us, we say... You must believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right? That's our message. So now, go back to Acts 1. Get Matthew 11 in your hand. As soon as you have Matthew 11 in your hand, keep your ribbon there at Acts 1. Go to Luke 24 again. One of the books I read this week was on ADHD. And I'm hoping that that makes me a little better preacher for you instead of things like I just did. Look at Matthew chapter 24. So that, remember we looked at verse 49 a minute ago, and behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, or upon you. Okay? Go back and look at verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. So this is the first time he's telling his disciples to preach the death, burial, and resurrection. They had been preaching the kingdom of heaven. All right? So this is a change. This is a shift. And understand that when Jesus identified there was John's baptism, now you're going to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's showing a change. So now let's go to Matthew chapter 11 and understand Paul's ministry a little bit more. I mean, John's ministry a little bit more. Verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, 
he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now remember, John the Baptist has been arrested because he had confronted the king and told him that what he was doing was immoral. And so he's been put in prison. Very soon, uh, the, the king's daughter is going to demand John's head on a, on a platter, on a charger. So verse 2 again, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he, he that should come? By the way, can you see that John has disciples? You see that? So he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. And look at what he asks him. And he said, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? It's an amazing thing that this great man, John the Baptist, the, the, of men born of women, there's none greater than John, Jesus will say here in a few verses. That he's saying, okay, I'm getting ready to die. Are you the one? Are you really the one? Now look at, look at, this is so sweet. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. And what does he identify? The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Go back to Isaiah 61 and look at verse 1. Hard to come to Grace Baptist without a Bible, isn't it? If you need one, there's one under the chair in front of you. I should have said that a minute ago. All right, Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, so this is Christ, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the, of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Um, so if you kept reading through this passage, it talks about he's going to make the blind see and the deaf are going to hear and all of these things. So what is Jesus doing? He's pointing the prophet back to the Bible. But Jesus Christ himself, you want to know if I'm really who I say I am? Listen to what the Bible said and look at what I'm doing. Okay? It's really amazing. So back in Matthew 11. Verse 6. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So understand that when Jesus would stand up and preach, not everybody liked it. People were offended. And you're blessed if you're not offended. All right? So now. This, is a, this, this right here is such an interesting shift that happens in chapter 11. Now, Jesus has these disciples of John come. And his mind is directed to John the Baptist, his, his cousin on his mother's side. Look at what, what happens. You see, you may or may not have one. In verse, verse 7, there's a paragraph mark. So there, there's a... There's a shift. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. You see how his mind is directed to John? And now we're going to learn some things about John and the people. 
As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? That, that is our theme verse for man camp, right? And our tagline is, No reeds allowed. We want men. And that was John, verse 8. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Look at this. Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. John wasn't just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. I don't guess I have noticed the emotion in this until preparing for this message. Can't you just see that Jesus, he, he really wants them to know who John is. He knows John's about to die. And so he is telling the people who John is. More than a prophet. Verse 10. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. I thought that was Elijah. Look at what this says. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It's interesting. It's interesting. John's not a part of the kingdom of heaven. No, he will be, but obviously the kingdom of heaven hadn't happened, so he's not a part of it. In the book of Luke, the Bible says that John's not a part of the kingdom of God. He's in this transitional period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a fascinating thing, all right? So, verse 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not, hath not risen greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. So the, these, these Jewish leaders, they were about to kill Jesus using the power of military might of the Romans, and they're taking it, the kingdom by force. Well, Jesus is going to come back and establish his kingdom. That's going to happen. But there's something you need to understand. Here in chapter 11, Jesus is done. He's done with Israel. Chapter 12, you have the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And this is where the Pharisees come and they challenge Jesus Christ again. And they, they say that Jesus is casting out demons in the power of Satan. The only way anyone can ever come to God is by the Holy Spirit. If you call the Holy Spirit Satan, you cannot be saved. It's not the calling the Holy Spirit Satan that is the problem. God's grace is so wonderful. If you ever said that, God would still save you, but you have to acknowledge the Holy Spirit is drawing you to the Father. Y'all understand what I just said? Words, that's not the issue. The issue is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's the issue. So now, verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. See, he would be that Elijah. He would be that Elijah if you believe. So why does it say Isaiah earlier and Elias? That's the Greek. This is written in Greek. That's the Greek pronunciation of the Hebrew name. 
So Elias is Elijah. And look, look at what it says again in verse 14. And if ye will receive it, this is that Elias which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, here's what's interesting. Did they receive the Messiah? Everyone, did they receive the Messiah? No. So that means he was not that, Elijah. Can I show you something amazing? What chapter are we in? Matthew chapter 11. That was a hard question. Some of you teenagers even got it. Keep your place in Matthew because we're going to come back. Go to Revelation chapter 11. Look at what it says in verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Who called fire down from heaven? Elijah. And devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must be... Uh, he must in this manner be killed. These have the power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Oh, who shut the rain from happening? That would be Elijah. And have power over the waters to turn them to blood and smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Who did that? Moses. Moses. So guess who's coming? Moses and who? Elijah. If they had received it, there would have been that Elijah. They should have taken the honey. What are they going to get? The locusts. The locusts. Oh, and when does this happen? In those days. Is your Bible true? Isn't this an amazing book? Go to Matthew chapter 21. See, there's a shift. In Acts 1, Jesus said, John baptized with water. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. In, in the book, in Acts chapter 19, Paul says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We've not heard that there be such a thing as the Holy Ghost. Unto what then were you baptized? Unto John's baptism. Well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that they need to believe on, on Christ, Jesus. And they had to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a shift that takes place, and, and God's pointing that out. So let's go again to Matthew chapter 21. And look at verse 23. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things, who, and who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask of you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. So again, listen, do you see how he's avoiding their questions and asking them questions? Verse 25, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? See, now here's the problem. And this is where, when you get into all these different religions, what people say is the, 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 the Protestants and the, and the Catholics, they sprinkle, and they say that's a picture of the ceremonial washing in the Old Testament that they say there was baptism in the Old Testament. 
but it was that sprinkling or the ceremonial washing. And so that's what, that's what their baptism pictures today. The only problem is the word baptism never appears in the Old Testament. This was, this was a baptism that John heard from God. John got this from God. All right, so now, Jesus asked them, was it from heaven or of men? So we're in verse 25, middle of the verse. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did ye then, or why did ye not then believe him? But if we say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And so they couldn't answer it. They couldn't answer the question. So Jesus Christ is constantly pushing this John's baptism. What, is, what was John's baptism? Because he had been the forerunner of Christ. He had been the forerunner of Christ. Now, go to John chapter 1. So, was the baptism of John from heaven or of men? John chapter 1 and verse 33. This is John the Baptist. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. So, who said? who told him that? God told him that. God told John to look for the one who the Holy Spirit will descend on him like a dove. So was the baptism of men or was it from God? It was from God. So this, it was a baptism. His, the, he was sent by God and his baptism was a revelation of God. Now, what was the purpose of this baptism? Look at verse 31. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water. So when you've heard me say so many times that the baptism of John was calling the people back to looking for the Messiah, to make plain, make manifest the Messiah, that's what John's baptism was about. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. You've stopped looking for the Messiah. Repent, repent, repent. That was John's message. It was a message of baptism of repentance. Where do I get that from? Look at Mark chapter 1. Verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you have a modern Bible, it doesn't say the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, hold on, everybody. Look out here just a second. What's repetition in the Bible? How many of you think maybe God wants us to know something about this right here? Has there been more than one passage talking about it? Really interesting. All right, as it is written in the prophets, verse 2, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. 
John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That is the message. We don't preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. We are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 28. After his resurrection, Jesus Christ is giving his commission. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in, for repentance and remission of sins. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Isn't that fun, getting an understanding of what's going on? So let's try to understand now what this, this purpose. It was John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So what is repentance? Let me tell you, first of all, what repentance is not. Repentance is not reformation. It's not, I, I'm going to clean up my life so I can get saved. It's not saying, I'm going to reject this sin. That's what, that's what my repentance is. Repentance is not worldly sorrow. We have a lot of police officers here. Have, have any of you ever seen somebody get really sorry when you arrested them? Right? How about your kids? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? Because you're about to get your rear end worked out. Right? 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. There are lots of people that are sorrow. Being sorry for something is not repentance. Right? So repentance is not reformation. Repentance is not worldly sorrow. Repentance is not penance. Penance is actually paying for your sin. It's, I told you I was at St. Paul's Cathedral, or St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome, right after the, the, the weekend after the Pope's funeral. And I was there, and people were lining up. And I said, what are you lining up for? They said, the sacrament of penance. They're going to do the sacrament of penance. And I started at the front of the line and went all the way back. And I said, you don't have to do this. Jesus paid for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. They looked at me like they were, I was crazy because they're, they don't speak English. But I just said, paid for, Jesus paid for your sin. Penance is paying. That's what it is. Jesus paid it all. So repentance is not penance. And repentance is not just a change of opinion. It's not, I'm going to include God in my life. Yeah, me and the old man, we're okay. That's, that's not what repentance is. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind. That's the actual meaning of the word. You've been thinking wrong. It's a change of mind. It's a change of intellect. Now I've got to change the way I'm thinking. The way I've been thinking about all of this is wrong. God is who he said he is. I need a savior. I've been thinking I'm okay. I'm wrong. That's repentance. It's a change of will. Now my choice is not to live for myself. My choice is to live for Jesus Christ. That's what Lord means. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that means he's in charge. Amen? That's what repentance is. And then it's a change of action. It's a change of action. The, the, now, I'm not saying that you give up your sin in order to be saved. All right? You don't even know what your sin is. Amen? But you're willing to. 
Jesus. Here's what, I use it this way. Somebody says, you know, an alcoholic. Does an alcoholic have to give up their drink to be saved? No. Isn't that a blessing? But if they say, yeah, I want to get saved, but I'm not going to give this up. Well, then no. You can't get saved. How many of you understand the difference there? You see, one is a rebellion. Rebellion and salvation don't go together. Salvation is an acknowledgement of the Lord. And then it's a change of emotions. How many of you, that your emotions changed when you got saved? I heard Chad Hollinger say one time, I didn't used to cry. God changes you. Now, sometimes you young people, when you hear stuff like this, it can cause confusion. When you guys got saved, you genuinely got saved. That was before you had all of that stuff to deal with. Isn't that a blessing? And yet, make sure, you know, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Make sure that you're born again. Let's, let's get a biblical example, all right? So, look at Matthew chapter 21 again. A biblical example of repentance. Matthew 21, look at verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. Remember, he's just asked them about John's baptism. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. That's what repentance is. I had said no. Now I'm going to repent and say yes. Isn't it fun? He's talking about John. John's was a baptism of repentance. So now look at what it says. This is amazing. Now, so remember what had just happened. Verse 26. But if we say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain, that's not Shania, which which of these two, All right, whether of them twain did the father, did the will of the father. They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now remember, this is really important. Matthew is the kingdom of God book. When he says the kingdom of heaven, he's saying you are not saved. You're inside You're outside, you look great. Your inside is filthy. Look at, no, oh, look at what he says, verse 32. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. John came with the baptism of repentance. But go back to John chapter 1, and I want you to see something.
verse 25. See, these are those that are sent by the Pharisees. They asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? So they thought he was either claiming to be Christ or Elijah. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. And these things were done in Bethbara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. In another place, he says that, uh, that Jesus will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. With the Spirit and with fire. Notice what Jesus says. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He didn't tell them they'd be baptized with fire. So there's a couple of things that I want you to get. In chapter, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, he says, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. Now everybody, listen, we're almost done. Y'all came here on a snowy day, and I can tell I'm losing some of you. You're going into a trance like Peter. It's in a trance on the Lord's day. A couple of things I really want you to get. In Luke chapter 24, he told his disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. You know, there are churches all over the place. They'll have a service. We're waiting. We're waiting for the Holy Spirit. You don't need to pray for that. God fulfilled his promise. That, that prayer is not for you. You don't need to wait. You need to go. Y'all see the difference? They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. Has the Holy Spirit come? Then go. All right? That, that's the first thing. And then... There are people that are, there are songs, God send your power, that Pentecostal power, all of that, right? And they're praying for fire to come. That's bad. He is going to come. The Bible says that he's going to come in flaming fire, taking taking vengeance on them that know not God. He is going to baptize the world in fire. The Bible has all kinds of places where he's walking on the ashes, it's going to be bad. Locusts or honey? Grace or fire? The spirit now or fire later? It can be the physical fire that's coming down or the physical fire in hell. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You can have grace or you can have fire. You can have the Holy Spirit or you can have fire. So what is our lesson? You're not waiting for the promise of the Spirit. If you're born again, you have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not born again. If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Got to have the Spirit of Christ. If you have the Spirit of Christ, you don't have to pray for it. Amen? You don't have to pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, that's all coming. We're going to get there. That's coming. I can't teach the whole Bible in one message. I know some of you think I already did today. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you are going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, and that baptism of the Holy Ghost is very simple. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to pray for that. You don't have to pray for that. God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. The Bible says, be, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are you filled with the Holy Spirit? By yielding to him. See, when you get drunk, then the, the, the booze has control of you. Right? When you yield to the spirit, the spirit has control of you. It's really important. People get, these passages that we're looking at, the reason I took all this time to talk about John is there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff about baptism in the book of Acts that has confused people. So we've got to start identifying. Okay, Jesus gave a distinction. Paul gave a distinction. What was that? Repentance is still the same thing. They had to repent because they had stopped looking for the Messiah. We have to repent because we are sinners and Jesus Christ died for us and we must believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. Right? Repentance is the same. The object of the repentance is different. Because what we're going to see is there's also a new dispensation. Boy, I want to show it to you right now, but I'm not going to do it to you. It's so fun. When you see this, it is so cool when you see what happens with this. All right. Here's the the hook. Are you going to get locusts or honey? Are you going to get the spirit or are you going to get fire? I hope you're born again, young people. I hope you're born again. You must be born again. George Whitfield came to America preaching, and he always preached, you must be born again. And a reporter came and asked him, why do you always preach, you must be born again? He looked at the reporter and said, because you must be born again. Amen? Let's all stand together. Lord, you're good to us. We love you. And Lord, I know that there are people that are hurting in our church right now that need you. And I'm so thankful that you are the God of all comfort.